rest in our hearts and our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are teaching our way through the book of Acts. Today we'll pick up where we left off, and that is with Acts the 10th chapter. So as Acts has, I believe it's 22 chapters, um, we're not quite halfway there, but uh, we're we're making good progress. Um, I'm going, going to endeavor to teach the entire 10th chapter. So if I'm going to do that, I better get on a roll. Uh, pastor's laughing. <laughs> He's skeptical. He's skeptical. Amen. Um, uh, when we left off last time, uh, we were talking about Peter and uh, the work that he was doing in a, a city called uh, Lydda and then later in a city called Joppa. So if you can get it in your mind, Peter has made his way to Joppa, which is a seaport on the Mediterranean Sea. And um, so Peter is there, and he is staying with a guy called Simon the Tanner. So there's a a leather worker, if you will, someone that makes leather, and apparently he was a disciple. And he was housing Peter as Peter was preaching the gospel throughout the region of Joppa. Um, So uh, it was very common in this time uh, for people to pass through that region Um, in ancient times, that was called what was known as the Way of the Sea. So there was a major trade route, a major road that went from like Egypt, and it fo- sort of followed the coast, the coastal areas, up through the old, what we would call Phoenicia or the Philistine cities that you've heard about in, in the gospel, uh, places like um, Gaza or um, Ashdod, and the New Testament is called Azotus. And from there up to Joppa, up to Caesarea, then it goes up by Mount Carmel, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so all along the coastal route, uh, obviously it was a major tra- the trade ports. Uh, they would set up there because it was much easier in ancient times to travel by boat than it was to walk. I mean, I'd, r- I'd much rather ride a boat if I could <laughs> than walk 100 miles, wouldn't you? Okay, so th- that's kind of what's going on. In fact, uh, in previous chapters, we see that Philip the Evangelist, the Bible says that uh, he had preached all along from Azotus, which was the old city of Ashdod, all the way to Caesarea. And we find later in Acts that um, Philip actually had preached uh, all along that route. And so I find a correlation here that we, we have this, this man named Cornelius that is residing in the city of Caesarea, and we know that Philip the Evangelist had preached all through that region, and so it's possible that Peter's way was kind of made <laughs> paved in, he, in that he followed uh, Philip's preaching. So it's possible that the preaching of Philip possibly influenced Cornelius. And I say that because it is a possibility. It's not spelled out for us in black and white. But we do know that Peter and John followed Philip's evangelism in Samaria. And Philip sort of paved the way for revival in Samaria. And and I think it's very likely that uh, the same pattern followed that in Joppa and and in Caesarea. So in chapter 10, we'll begin reading there with verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A centurion is, is a Roman officer. He's over approximately 100 men. 
So he's a man um, of authority. Uh, he, he's a high-ranking Roman citizen, if you will. Uh, he was a devout man, the Bible says, one that feared God with all his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou ought to do. The angel which spake unto Cornelius has departed. He called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them and waited on, that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto him, he sent them to Joppa. So here we have one of the key figures here. And this chapter 10 is, uh, especially for you and I, this is a very pivotal moment in the history of, I would say not of only the church, but it's a pivotal moment in the history of the world. Because what is about to happen is that a Gentile person is going to be filled with the Holy Ghost for the very first time. This is someone that is outside of the covenant of Abraham. This is someone that is not culturally a Jew. This is someone that doesn't have part Jewish blood like a Samaritan person would. But this is someone that has no Jewish blood that is not a, a convert to Judaism. This is someone uh, that nevertheless fears God. Someone that the Bible says he feared God with all of his house. He was a man that was given uh, to given alms. In other words, he was a very generous person, kind-hearted person, uh, who saw the needs of others and took pity on the poor. The Bible says that he prayed to God. So, so here we have in my mind, a fulfillment of what Jesus taught in Matthew, the fifth chapter. They that do hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Here you have someone that is hungry for God. Someone who is hungry to know more. In fact, he was, he, he was so... Uh, such a righteous and good-hearted man that the Bible says that his prayers and his deeds come up before the Lord for a memorial to him. And the Lord loved him so much that in a vision he sent to him an angel that told him what he ought to do. Now you'll see that, that Cornelius calls the angel Lord. And maybe he thought he was talking to God. He didn't have, uh, he didn't have what he needed. So he wasn't where he needed to be, but God was going to send someone to him, amen, to, to tell him what he ought to do. And he goes on to tell him about this guy named Peter that is uh, down in Joppa. Now from Caesarea, uh, Caesarea is, is, is a coastal city on the north, um, sort of the north of um, Joppa. Joppa is approximately 39 to 40 miles south of Caesarea. And so he says, send these, uh, send for Peter. So immediately, that's what Cornelius does. He, he, he calls in one of his most devoted uh, soldiers that's a good man, and he calls in some of his servants and says, look, you're going to go uh, to Joppa, you're going to go to Simon the Tanner's house, 
and you're going to inquire for Peter and ask him uh, to come here. So the Bible says that uh, in, in verse 9, on the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, that's Joppa, Peter went up on the housetop to pray at about the sixth hour. That's around noontime. And he became very hungry. Hey, I do too. Who else gets hungry at noon? Amen. Hey, Peter was hungry. And he would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. In other words, he had a vision. So Peter's hungry. Lunch is not ready. So he's up on the rooftop praying, and he has a vision from heaven. Verse 11, he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. I don't know what kind of Bible you're looking at this morning, but in my Bible, that is red letter. Meaning that's the words of Jesus speaking to Peter through a vision. So you'll see the differences between Cornelius' vision and Peter's vision. Cornelius' vision, he sees an angel of the Lord. But in Peter's vision, the Lord is speaking to him, and he's about to give Peter revelation. Because Peter is an apostle. Cornelius is not. Cornelius is not able to see the truth of the gospel because he hasn't had an encounter with Jesus. He hasn't been filled with the Spirit. But Peter, the apostle, being full of the Holy Ghost, receives a revelation in his vision. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. So Peter knows who he's talking to. Cornelius thinks the angel is the Lord. But Peter knows to whom he speaks. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Someone tell me, what, what is Peter talking about here? He sees, a, he sees a vision, almost as it was a great sheet tied at four corners, being filled with all sorts of beasts and creeping things. And the voice of God comes to him, the voice of Jesus Christ, says, rise, keep Peter, slay or kill and eat. What is he talking about? What's in the sheet? What's in the, what is Peter seeing? That's right. Jews had dietary laws, which are commonly referred to as kosher laws. I believe that's the common parlance. And the Jewish people refrained from eating things in the, that were spelled out in the law of Moses uh, as being unclean. For example, dogs were unclean. Fish that didn't have scales were unclean. Shellfish, unclean. Pigs, especially, <laughs> were unclean. So here's Peter. He's a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ. But still, culturally, Peter is very much a Jew in observance of the law, uh, or in observance of the dietary law. Even though he's been filled with the Holy Ghost, culturally he's been raised from a child that, you know, Peter doesn't eat catfish. Poor Peter. Peter doesn't eat short ribs, at least pig ribs. Poor Peter. Peter don't eat bacon. Poor Peter. 
But the Lord says, Arise, slay and eat, kill this pig, eat that bacon. Oh, Peter's not having it. He says, Not so, Lord. Only Peter. Only Peter would tell the Lord no. Nuh-uh. Ain't, nah, nah, Jesus, you know. You know that I'm not going to do that. Can't do it. Can't do it. I mean, that's, like, that's, like, that's just like Peter. You'd have to know their relationship uh, from the Gospels. It, you know, Peter has this great revelation of uh, who Jesus is, and like three or four verses later, Jesus is telling him, get thee behind me, Satan. So <laughs> that's Peter and Jesus, right? They have a great, a great relationship. But uh, the voice spake to Peter again and said the sec- uh, second time, um, what God hath cleansed, that ca- call not thou common. Don't call it unfit. What I've said is fit for food. Don't call it unfit. The Bible says this was done thrice. In other words, three times this happened. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he, which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry uh, for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So Peter was contemplating and thinking about what did this vision from God mean? And while he's doing that, uh, the group that Cornelius had sent arrives at Simon the Tanner's house. Verse 18, they called and asked for Simon, which was surnamed Peter, who lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit spake unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, get thee down, and go with them. Watch this, doubting nothing. Don't be questioning what I'm doing here, Peter. For I have sent them. So the Lord gives Peter uh, the go-ahead to go with these people. Now this is strange because culturally, Jewish people uh, did not associate with Gentile people. You, you didn't want to be seen in public eating with, associating with, uh, walking with, lodging with Gentile people. Jewish people just did not do that. Okay? And so the Lord gave him instruction to go with them. Don't doubt what I've told you, because I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were with him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. Why did you come? Verse 22, they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God, is of a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into this house, and to hear words of thee. Now Peter had to know, back in the day, they didn't have telephones, they didn't have email, you know, they, they weren't FaceTiming, so there, there's no way that this one Jewish person 40 miles away, that, that Cornelius, who he didn't know, could have known that Peter was in a certain place at a certain time. It's, yeah. It wasn't his house. He was at somebody else's house. It was, it was a message directly sent from God. If you'll notice as we're going through chapter 10, the specificity with which Luke writes. He writes at what time? I, I was at uh, 3 p.m. Cornelius was in prayer. At about noontime, Peter was in prayer on the rooftop. Very specific things are being told here. Okay? Because it's very important to get the details of this right. But there, God was, was doing something. There, there's a change that is about to take place. 
in the spiritual world. It's very, very, this is a linchpin moment in Scripture. Verse 23, Then called he them in and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went with them, and a certain uh, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So some people joined in with Peter, and they went to, to meet Cornelius. After they entered Caesarea, uh, the next day, Cornelius waited on them, called them together. He called them in his friends, his neighbors. Uh, he, he called them in. And when Peter was coming in, Cornelius met them, uh, and he fell down at his feet, and he worshipped him. <laughs> and Peter took him up and said, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And he, and he talked to him and went in and found that many were come together. So they have a crowd there. Uh, and he said unto them, You know how that it is unlawful and unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So here Peter opens his mouth and provides revelation that God had given to him. He says that it's not lawful for me to be here. But God has said that I cannot call you unfit for the kingdom. It was a revelation of, uh, from Jesus Christ directly to the apostle Peter. Verse 29, Therefore I, uh, came I unto you without gainsaying, or without argument if you will, as soon as I was sent for. So two things have happened. When Cornelius had his vision, immediately he sent someone. When they showed up for Peter's, at Peter's house and inquired of him, the Bible says without argument he, he accepted their word because what? It, there was a witness of the Holy Ghost in him because God had told him the same thing. So this thing shows that it was in the will of God for Peter to meet with Cornelius and those of his household. Therefore I came to you without hesitation as soon as I was sent for I ask, therefore, for what intent have you sent for me? Cornelius goes on to say, Four days ago I was fasting at this hour, and about the ninth hour I prayed in my house. Behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayers heard, thine alms have been remembered in the sight of God. Send to Joppa, call Peter, and he will come and speak to thee. Verse 33, Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast done well, and thou art come. Now, therefore, we are all present before, before God to hear all the things that are commanded thee of God. And Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I perceive, um, he said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So God is no respecter of persons. Things are beginning to click in Peter's mind. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. So we have, we've entered into a point, we've got to the, the whole point of the passage of chapter 10, and that Peter is about to preach to Cornelius and his household. So he begins opening up with the revelation that God gave him. The revelation is, God is no respecter of persons. Every nation that fears him and worketh righteousness is what? Accepted with him. So there is an acceptance for all that are seeking after God with a true heart and seeking the Lord. 
Man, if there's someone is seeking God with their heart, amen, I believe that the Lord will accept them into the kingdom of God. Verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. What does Peter preach? He is Lord of all. You can look back at the previous, uh, the previous sermons preached by Peter. He's going to preach some common themes here. What is he going to preach to them? Jesus is God. He's Lord of all. He's going to preach unto them repentance. Okay, he's going to preach unto them that he is an eyewitness uh, of Jesus' life, his burial, or his death, burial, resurrection. He's going to preach about witnessing Jesus being resurrected from the dead. Those are things that Peter commonly touches on when he's preaching. Okay, and that's exactly what he preaches to these people. The same thing that he preached to the Jews, the same thing that he, that he preached before the council and before the Sanhedrin is the same thing that he preaches to these Gentile believers or Gentile people uh, in Cornelius' household. He says that the word I say you now, which was published throughout all Judea, which began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, being John the Baptist, how God anointed Jesus Christ, or Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses. That's one of your themes of the book of Acts. We are witnesses. We are witnesses. That's the same thing Peter says in Acts 2.32, Acts 3.15, Acts 4 and 10. We are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day. It's the resurrection. Why did the apostles preach so heavily on the resurrection? Because if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not true, then none of the rest of it matters. Then he was not God. But because Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost, that same spirit of resurrection, we now have hope in that resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And that's why the apostles insist when they preach and when they're preaching the gospel and they're preaching about Jesus Christ, they always say we are witnesses, we were eyewitnesses, and we witnessed the resurrection. John said that which we have seen with our eyes and handled with our hands, the word of life. You have to understand that the Jews, uh, the leaders of the Jewish people, the Sanhedrin, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they wanted to cast doubt on the resurrection of Jesus Christ because they wanted to put doubt in people's mind that he was God. So that's why the apostles are, are, are so keen uh, to point this out. He says, God had raised him from the dead the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, to give him all to him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. So Peter is preaching. He doesn't even have time here to give an altar call. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them all which heard the word. Now, I'm going to take a 
few moments here to say, why Peter? Why Peter? Why Peter? It's because in Matthew 16, he had the revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus had asked them, who do, you say, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Isaiah, and then some say, uh, I'm sorry, some say Elias and Jeremiah are a prophet. You know, some people think you might be John the Baptist come back to life. But Jesus said, whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, um, blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to thee, but my Father which is heaven. I say unto thee, thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Peter gets what we call the keys to the kingdom. And so, what three events are, is Peter present at in the book of Acts where you see these keys used? In Acts 2, he preaches to the Jewish people after the Holy Ghost is poured out. Revival is launched. Right? Acts, the 8th chapter, he goes down, he and John travel to Samaria after Philip the evangelist had preached and, and they had believed and People had been baptized in the name of Jesus, but the Bible says they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. So Peter and John travel, and what do they do? They lay their hands on the Samaritans. The Bible says they're filled with the Holy Ghost. And now here in Acts, the 10th chapter, Peter is preaching to the Gentiles. So you have the Jews, the Samaritans, which are half Gentile, half Jewish, mixed, mixed blood. And now you have Gentiles. Peter is present at the outpouring of the Holy Ghost for all three. Because he had the keys to the kingdom. Upon this rock, I will build my church. What is the revelation that Peter had? Peter had the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. What did he preach to them? Um, we saw earlier what he preached. He preached unto them um, that Jesus had all power. Had all power. And so he simply followed the great commission. He went into all the world to preach the gospel, but they, uh, in, in Acts 1 and 8, they were told to, um, let's look at that, Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So why Peter? Peter, because he had the keys to the kingdom. So while Peter is preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Verse 45, and they of the circumcision which, were, which believed were what? They were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and then prayed, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So we have three things going on. Peter has preached repentance. Okay? The Bible says the Holy Ghost was poured out. How do they know that the Holy Ghost was poured out? They spoke in tongues. So... It's not enough that Cornelius and his household believed. It's not enough that they were righteous. There were some things that they were missing. And Peter began to preach to them repentance. 
the mighty God in Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached the gospel to them. But it wasn't enough that they just believed. And it wasn't just enough that they uh, received what he was saying. They had to be filled with the Spirit. And they had to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And this follows the same pattern that we saw in Acts, the second chapter. It follows the same pattern that we saw in Acts, the eighth chapter. Acts 8 does not specifically say that they spoke with tongues, but it does infer that they spoke with tongues. So we have the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on three peoples. But it's not, I think one lesson that we can draw from this is there is a very specific pattern set forth in Acts about how people are born into the kingdom of God. About how people are filled with the Spirit of God. And it's not enough that, that they just receive the word. It's not enough that they just believe in their heart. But you see repentance. We have to turn away from what we're doing and make changes toward God and pursue after God. Amen. Repentance is changing. Repentance is not simply being sorrowful. Which certainly godly sorrow is part of repentance. But repentance is making changes. Secondly, you will see in the book of Acts, people are baptized in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's a very specific way in which people are baptized. Amen. And thirdly, you will see that people are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And how did the, those around know that they were filled with the Holy Ghost? They heard them speak with tongues. So Peter was present at the birth of the church because he had the keys to the kingdom. So when it's poured out on the Jewish people, Peter's there. When the Holy Ghost is poured out upon the Samaritans, Peter and John are there. When the Holy Ghost is poured out upon Cornelius' household, the Gentiles' peoples, Peter is there. I mean, I'm so glad today that at this pivotal moment in the history of the church and indeed in the history of the world. Amen. Right? is what Cornelius was looking for. He was a devout man that feared God. And he was praying, giving alms, doing the best that he could do. But he was seeking the Lord. And because he was hungry and thirsty for righteousness, he was hungry and thirsty for more, the Lord honored that and sent Peter. Amen. So, amen, I hope you've enjoyed that this morning.
ye of little faith. <laughs> Amen. Let's thank the Lord today for our time together. God, we thank you today for each and every hungry heart that was here today. Lord, I thank you that your word, Lord, was going forth. God, we thank you today for the revelation, Lord Jesus, that you've given us, that we must be filled with your spirit. God, we thank you that you made it available to us. Mighty God, we're not worthy of your spirit, God, but you so graciously have given it to us. Lord, we thank you today. I pray that this word would be in our hearts and our minds as we go forth. Lord, that we would reflect on it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.